I'm Brian, this is Reggie, and this is R&B Talks. Reggie, we have something to celebrate. Are you ready? I am waiting on bated breath. This is double digit episodes. This is episode 10. Episode 10. We have a The big one zero. That's right. When I was 10, I have no idea what I was doing. But on episode 10, we're going to talk about awesome stuff like we have before. But it's 10 episodes, man. I remember when we did episode one, I was like, I hope we get five done. <laughs> now we're, we've doubled that. Great expectations. Yeah, but I mean, like, consistency is key here, man. Because, I mean, really, like we've talked about, we're not really looking at this to be like the, uh, the, you know, to be some smashing success. But we do want to do this enough to where, like, it's, you know, cool, you know? Well, I'd like to have a following. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, I don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. If this became a smashing success, I wouldn't be like, oh, but really what this is about is just getting some words out to people that are good with wise words. Well, right? Like, I was so. telling um, my, uh, had some in-laws come in town from Colorado and uh, they were asking about it. And I'm like, look, here's the main point is that there's a lot of people that feel isolated and alone especially after COVID mm-hmm. and like, it's like, you know, because they don't really think the same way that, you know, the media says they should, or who, whoever says the, all the talking heads out there. And we are really just saying, Hey, you're not alone. Yeah. It's okay to be an actual critical thinker to like actually be a want freedoms. It's okay not to fall in line with everyone else. Yes. It's okay yeah. to be a non-conformist in the current culture we live in. It's okay to be conservative and know that you're not a bad person for feeling that way. It wouldn't be, that sucks <laughs> me, man, how many people I've talked to, and, and they'll tell me, they'll be like, man, I, I, I've talked to four or five people that I've gotten to listen, and they're all the same thing. Well, man, I love your, I love your material. I really agree. I'm really glad that you guys will say it. <laughs> You say it too, man. It's free country. Yeah. I you mean, know, you're allowed to talk I'm about not, it. It's not okay. Gonna, I'm not going to not say. Mm-hmm. You know. So, wife and girls went out to Taekwondo camp. Nice. On Friday, right? So, I had the whole homestead here to myself, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, you used to think, okay, cool. Then you must have been so happy and all this stuff. I wasn't. It actually bothered me that they weren't here. Because you'd like your family. Well, not just that. I think it's more than that. It's like, I think because I'm like active in, in it, you mm-hmm. know, it's like that's part of my team that's absent. In other words, that's what yeah. it feels like. Right. And not that I was like, oh, what was me? But I mean, you know, it really was like I, I was thinking about it because I thought I, at one point I would have been maybe like thankful for that or something. But really, I wasn't. It was like. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just, it was, I was really kind of like bummed that they weren't around. You know, I, I get that for me. I'm okay when the kids are gone and I don't mean that in like a mean way, because when I was a kid, you know, my, my kids are teenagers, man. They're out doing their thing and hanging out with their friends. Yeah. And I knew that was all part of it. But when my wife is gone, it's difficult because I feel like I don't have a sounding board. And if I'm thinking certain ways or I'm looking at how to do or what to do or any of that. It's tough, man, because you want that sounding board. You want to be like, hey, what do you think of this? Because if you say that to yourself, people might think you're crazy. Yeah. Well, but that's okay. But, you know, I think if I you're doing it. it, if you're like doing the family thing 
close to right. You know, it's it yeah. becomes it just be, it becomes a solid foundation. So yeah. like you know you're like that's that's a cool thing. Anyway, it was just an observation. I was like thinking yesterday. I was like, man, you know, I like this is cool. I can sit around and watch whatever I want, but and do whatever I want without having to worry about you know X Y Z. But I kind of wish they were there, you know. It's, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like I I, re- I, drew, I truly realize, you know, like we talked about with the with the wives and the husbands and stuff. Like, you know, my wife helps me be better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that she forces me to do anything. It's not that she's whatever. I mean, it just you know, when she's there, I am better. Yeah. It's it's and you know, if anything, it's just because I'm able to like, um. I just know that she's there. <laughs> she's there. She got crap covered, you know. Yeah. For me, it's hard when my wife is gone for because of safety reasons. Well, there's that. I yeah. don't trust the world. I don't either. And, Not at all. And when she's out of town, even if the boys are with me, I worry. Yep. I worry if she's okay. I worry if she's safe. I worry if she's. And I don't usually sleep well. Right. Like I kind of yeah. sleep light. Yeah. Because I feel like I should be able to hear the phone. I should right. be able to. Oh yeah. So. Um, which, you know, I find that troubling that it's gotten to the point where everything you do, you got to worry. I don't you think know? worry. It's not really worry. It's just about being prudent. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you, you're, the understanding is that this is not a, it's not a wild west, like run criminal running rampant, like purge kind of nonsense. Yeah. But. There are dangers and there are, there are bad things. There are bad people and you know, it's just there. So it's like, I don't worry necessarily, but it's like, it, it is on my mind. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of how I look at it because that's something you mean. Look, at some point you have to bring faith into it and you'd be like, look, man, there's a hedge of protection. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't always mean that everything is going to be hunky dory but it does mean that everything's gonna work out the way he wants it to work out yeah i mean you know so sometimes it's not always great no i mean it's just, it's, it's because we're free we have free will man and we're, we're we are given the task of stewardship yeah i don't know there's, well, a, there's I mean, part of that that's about that you know well i have a i had a plan i have a plan take my kids to cleveland to see the old rock and roll hall of fame yeah few months and then somebody laid some info on me today that <laughs> cleveland is short a thousand kids oh nice and has a very high rate of human trafficking <laughs> so now i'm thinking yeah like that's probably not where i'm gonna go uh, if i go there i'm gonna have to chain them to me because <laughs> i i don't want to have to execute someone because they try to take my kids man that's not that's not good no that's a that's a very horrifying statistic and now it's stuck in my brain like i can't get rid of it like what in the heck is going on yeah i mean i think in this day and age though in the age of your kids i don't know if i'd be too worried about it although i would not let them go anywhere by themselves well, I won't let them out of my sight. Well, that's yeah, what I mean. The whole it's time I'm the there, same thing. You know? But, you know, but I, I've been reading a lot and apparently there's just scary, ridiculous people out there. And that's part of, I hate that because I remember when I used to be able to just be like, hey, we're going to go do this and hang out and have fun. And those worries 
weren't there, right? And now it's like everywhere you go, those worries are there, right? And and that's a that's a tough, you know, that's a tough one to swallow. Like, oh, now I have to be like a harpy of protection around my kids in order to make sure that they're safe, right? So, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, statistically, you're right. My kids are not necessarily in the range of people that get taken, but who also knows what kind of crazy goofball is out there and what they're thinking, right? Well, desperate people do desperate things. Runaways are like a big, a big one. And, you know, because even at teenage runaway will get caught up in that stuff yeah. because they get, you know, I'll, I'll, all kinds of reasons, but yeah, I don't know. I, if you're village, dil- if you're whatever, if I was you're vigilant, if you're vigilant, <laughs> vigilant, you should be fine, man. Okay, <laughs> I I will tell my my wife that I will be vigilant. Vi- I'll be very vigilant. Like what? What would that be? Like the village? Something with the village? I know. Yeah. Maybe it's being diligent over your village. I guess there you go. Hey, that, I create that, a word. Look at you. Next uh, thing you know, Urban Dictionary. Here we come. The pain dictionary. <laughs> Diligent. <laughs> okay, so are you ready? Today we're going to talk about a very uncomfortable subject for some people. Reggie, would you like to introduce this subject? Well, money and finances. That's right. Now, I think this topic in general is way too broad to cover because there's <laughs> – We've made money and finances so complicated that we could spend the we could spend our entire channel's existence on money and finances, which there are. So I think for the, we are talking about money and finances, but I mean, in what way are we talking about money and finances, Brian? Well, for me, the way I want to discuss it is I want to do the opposite. I want to simplify it, you know, and two. You know, I think there's some statistics that people need to be aware of, and I think there's some biblical principles that need to be involved. And once we get there, I think it breaks it down and makes it pretty simple, right? You know, I mean, well, to an extent. So I think first off, let's define what we're what money is. So did you do any research behind that? Well, money is, you know, it's currency, but Okay, so I did, and this is a very deep well of information that I got down into. But I mean, the fact of the fact of it is, money is, for all intents and purposes, not real in the sense that (laughs) the American dollar is not backed, right? It's not backed by any kind of gold or silver anymore. Why they stopped doing that, I have no idea. They pulled all the security out of the money and made it worth nothing. Um, A lot of reasons. Number two, Depending on where inflation's at, your dollar isn't necessarily worth a dollar, right? So, so there's. Let's go back. Okay. So what? What? This is from. I'll put. Of course, we'll do like we normally do. All the links will be down the bottom. Uh, Andrew Beatty wrote this at Investopedia.com, and he said, according to some theories, money is inherently an intangible concept. Currency, on the other hand, is the physical or tangible manifestation of the intangible concept of money. Mm-hmm. So, really, what we're talking about is, if you look at the there's a there's another link I'm going to post down. It has like a history of mm-hmm. 
like we're bartering and all that stuff. And it kind of gives a brief overview from, from, from that point of view. So if we think about things like, uh, it's been part of human history for the last 5,000 years in some form. Um, historians generally agree that a system of bartering was likely used. Um, it was sixth century BC Greek poet, um, which I am not going to butcher this Xenophanus. Um, quoted by the historian Herodotus. I'm butchering these names, by the way, ascribed the invention of metal coinage to the Lydians in 600 BC. So we didn't, that was like the first coins mm-hmm. were back then. Um, they were made of electrum, which was a mixture of silver and gold. Um, stamped with pictures of various denominations. In 1260 CE, the Yun Dynasty of China moved from coins to paper money. So that was when we saw actual paper money kind of play. The first paper currency issued in European governments was actually issued by their colonial governments in North America. So they didn't even get paper currency until the colonial North America colonies created it. They did that. There was a... There, there was, it was kind of a complicated process of like all these, the way they were trading over, you know, between, um, the colonists and, and England, right? It was like, you know, there was, they were having to, cause it really, things were worth different money and it, uh, it was really hard to kind of get, um, values correct. So they went to, they, they, well, let's just have a piece of paper. Um, but, all that leads up to, to what we had when we, we had the gold standard that came about. And I think, what was that? 1821 was when you, the UK introduced mm-hmm. the gold standard. Um, but that, so in the seventies, by the 1970s, pretty much everybody's not on the gold standard anymore. Yeah. No. Um, we have what's a called a fiat currency. Fiat meaning a decree, so of our sovereign government that says, you know, this is how much this is worth, but it it actually doesn't have any intrinsic value no, not to at it all. whatsoever. Um, so so that's kind of like very 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 brief rundown of like what money came from and started from, and really if you think about it, like you had if you had like a blacksmith and mm-hmm. he had and he made you like a, a tool or something, you would trade with him like some corn or flour or something that you had and then that just became something where it was like more you wanted it was easier to trade with something that you had that it was of certain value Mm -hmm. whether that be pieces of metal or gold right right? so we're gold and then that just went to paper and that used to mean something that you could trade that in for something but then you know now we're into the point where it's a just a government-backed kind of denomination of value well now we're even further down the road because you have Bitcoin, yes. you have Venmo, you have Cash well, App. Venmo's not. Yeah, but those aren't really it. currency though. Those are well, those are just applications that allow you. But if you look at Facebook Marketplace and you look at all the trading sites, Venmo is referred to as a currency. They don't want to talk. They don't want dollars. They don't want cash. They don't want coin. Can you Venmo it to me? But they're Venmoing. Currency though, they are, but it's not paper currency because no, you never see digital. it. But it's still legal. It's legal tender without having a 
physical form. Well, it's like me. And I think this will get into this a little bit, but like, I don't, I don't use cash really. I don't ever use cash. I, I have a, my, I used to use an American express card. I, we buy everything on American express card. And I pay it off every month. Mm-hmm. That's how we operate. And I really do that because a American express has like protections for me as a buyer, especially because of all the online stuff that we do mm-hmm. buy and everything else. So if something doesn't transaction, doesn't get somebody rips us off or get lost or, you know, something they, they will take care of it really quickly. And they give me points on top of that. So by using the American express card, I actually get my Christmas paid for just by using that card for, you know, paying for things. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an Amazon card. We buy a lot of stuff off Amazon. So I use an Amazon card so that I get points back from that. So then again, it, it's like that kind of thing. So no, I don't have really rarely do I'm like, am I like exchanging paper bills with anybody anymore? Wait a minute, right man. Around. I gave you paper bills earlier. Paper bills. Well, so what you're saying is I gave you like corn. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you corn. That's what you're saying. Yes, Brian, you gave me corn. I essentially traded you corn. I wasn't wearing like a deer skin or anything while I did it either. No, so. no. Although I think it would be much cooler if you did give me corn. You're I think like, it would Here, be super, here's this much value. It'd be super weird. <laughs> I think it would be just super weird, right? So, but okay. So, all right. Let's talk about. Finance. We know what money is. And we know that finance does not exist without money. So let's talk about finance. Which is just a system of money. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's different kinds of finances here. Yep. Let's, the most important for everybody probably listening to this is the family finance. The finances of the family, I should probably say. So it's like you don't, you don't operate your family at as like a profit center. You know, you're not, you're not trying to really like take in and, and out. Like you're, you're not trying to make that where you're continually having money to grow your family. You know, you're not, you invest in your family, but I'm saying a business has got a different kind of methodology and process behind money because their whole purpose is to make a profit, make a profit that can then be invested further into the business, grow the business, make, you know, whatever it is, right? Your family, you're not operating that way. It's really about, cause you're not taking that money. You might save it, mm-hmm. but you're, you're not necessarily always taking that money in the ex- express purpose of building a bigger family or well, not more necessarily family. building a family or more family. I mean, you know, I think you want to have a war chest, right? In sure. case something goes down or, you know, um, cause I think one of the most disturbing things I've heard, and, and this is through some research is, you know, and here's just a couple of statistics, 66% of respondents, this is from bankrape.com. The APA reported that the highest number of people experienced money related stress since 2015, 66% of Americans report feeling daily money stress. Yeah. You know, and then, um, CNBC.com, 70% of Americans feel financially stressed. A combination of higher prices for basic goods and services, increasing borrowing rates on credit cards, auto loans, mortgages, debt, and little to no financial cushion is eating away at people's sense of financial security. 
Um, they say that only 45% of U.S. adults have a emergency fund. And only, I think, 10% of them does the emergency fund go beyond $1,000. I mean, I would be in more than that 10%. Yeah. You know, but, but not by much. Yeah. I would say that because I don't, I, I want to get to the place where I have months of income in there. Um, but having a young family, having a, we've only really been in this house for seven years now. Mm-hmm. So I'm really trying to, there's like a lot of things that we're trying to do, but okay. Before we get into this, let me just say that there's, there, I want to, I want to talk about this in a little bit about how the different ways to use money better. Okay. But first though, I think we need to, we're, we're talking about finances. Mm-hmm. So your family finances and how that should be, there's some biblical standards behind that. There's business stuff about how that should go. There's nonprofit stuff about mm-hmm. how that should go and all that works. What I think is critical to understand though, to help people like the best guess I could find. I want to find out the global estimated wealth that we have. Mm-hmm. That was, I just was curious. The global estimated Yeah. Like wealth. what's, how much money does the freaking the on earth is there? Okay. How much, how much do we really have? Okay. The best number I got was $463.6 trillion at the end of 2022. That's, that's the amount of, Financial abundance amongst the well, I don't know about world. it. I wouldn't say because it, it's it's classified different. Because you have you got to think about it. I don't I don't know if people they're not saying like this is how much money is sitting in accounts or anything. That could be like it's just assets. how much existent currency there is. How much existing wealth? Okay, right. Wealth just be wealth could be assets, investments, money, whatever. So. If you think about a world, there's 463.2.6 trillion dollars of wealth in the globe. And none of it is here because we are 33 trillion dollars in the hole as a country. Well, okay. We can talk about that too, though, because people, people need to ask the question, where is that? Who do we owe money to? Well, we, we owe money to. Other countries, we owe money to um, ourselves for spending. Part of the national debt is, I mean, it's debt. What? How do we know what a debt is? Right? It's how much money is incoming, how much versus how much money is outgoing. So, if you make ten thousand dollars a year and you have and you spend twenty thousand dollars a year, then you have a ten thousand dollar debt, right? It's if all your money goes to pay your debt, which well, doesn't. You know, I think the last time I looked, sixty something percent was to the American people. Yeah. Right. So bonds and stuff like that kind of, kind of. So, I mean, there you, it's 30, it might be $33 trillion or whatever it is, but there's a big chunk of that. It's just to the American people. Well, that, and I see that's the scariest thing though, because yes, thinking, is. thinking about all the entitlements, bonds, social security, all the things that are supposed to be there for the American people. Um, if somebody put the marker on the table and called for that today, it's not there. If somebody said, hey, if the American people stood up and said, hey, we want our 66%, our government couldn't cover it. And that's the, that's the scary part for me in the sense of, you know, because you know me, man. I work multiple jobs. 
Um, I take being a provider for my family very seriously because oh, oh, we know. for so many years, I didn't, honestly. I just lived paycheck to paycheck, whatever we did. I was a pleaser, right? Hey, oh, you want that? All right, I'll buy it, right? Um, but I take very seriously now providing security for my family. And And one of the things, one of the fails for me, and one of the reasons why I'm struggling right now with, you know, our government in general and the decision I'm going to make coming in the next election and all those things is despite who performed well and did what they didn't do enough to make sure <laughs> that they can cover the spread. Right. Like you, you, you're so you, we've become so wickedly irresponsible as a government with money Yeah, that I, I feel like, I feel like we're this is the this could turn into the monsoon, right? Like okay, but when we talk about nation like nation economics though, mm-hmm. there 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 are there are clearly different ways to go about the economy. Yeah. So, and they're good and bad with both of them. Now, let's let's be honest. But one of the one of the key points to like a more if we're going more towards the socialistic socialism, yes, communism. Not nah, well, I shouldn't say because com- communism goes beyond economics. But um, is that you? You're putting the money from the people. You have a governing body that decides where that goes. They take care of the needs of the people, and they dictate that. Um, the people really don't have too much say in that most of the time. Mm-hmm. Their goal there, though, is not to not to have things done the most efficient, the best priced or whatever. It's a lot of times it's like, what can. Where can we have something like I'll give an example, if somebody said, well, we can fix a road and we can fix it to where it doesn't have to be worked on ever again. It's going to cost X, X amount. Right. Or we can fix this road with this, but we have to work on it every three months. And that'll cost way more over the lifespan of everything. They'll choose that way so that they can. And and the goal of that is so that you're having people jobs to keep doing that. So you're, you're trying to, you're not spending what's efficient. You're actually spending money to try to keep more jobs going your your idea is to continually grow the job market by what your what decisions you're making that's true but also socialism has a 100% failure rate, no 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 right? I'm, like, I'm not saying that i'm i'm saying if you go towards that way if you go towards that way yeah and okay. and, and here's the thing the original intention of socialism in all earnest was was originally thought to help the people, right? Well, yeah. Nobody yeah. knows how to control anything. Nobody knows how to put anything together. We'll do it this way. But what it does is it punishes innovation, you know, because the whole point of socialism is if you have $50,000 and I have $15,000, then you have to take whatever you have and give me because we have to be equal, right? So Equal I th- outcome. I f- equal outcome. So I feel like it's, I feel like it punishes innovation. It punishes success. Um, but I feel like what we're in right now is, is really just, it's, it's this, you know, I say this, and this is very controversial. We live in a Republic. 
we are we are not a true democratic society simply because if it was a true democratic society, there wouldn't be a house, there wouldn't be a, a electoral college. It would just be the people decide. Correct. Um, so I feel like that has been taken advantage of. Yes. In a lot of ways. Um, because a lot of people are no longer concerned about, unlike the, yeah, unlike some of our elder statesmen in the House and the Senate, um, that have taken advantage of being in their long term and entrenched themselves. I don't feel like a lot of representatives are really concerned about making any changes. It's it's about getting in and making money and getting out. And look at the look at the look at the net wealth of people who, and not everybody, but a lot of these people who get into Congress or the Senate or president, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, look at their net wealth between before they go into there, when they come out. And I guarantee you that does not equate to their hour, you know, their yearly annual income. It does not. No. Well, it's vastly more than that. Well, if you, if you look at, let's, let's take Barack Obama, for instance, his net worth was not real high when he went into office and he's now worth hundreds of millions of dollars with book deals and appearances well, and speaking engagements. And yeah, you know, he, he, he now, and let me also be clear too. If I spend eight years as president and I come out and they're like, dude, we like you so much. We're going to pay you $500,000 every time you speak. I'm going to be talking a lot because I, I, you know, but one of the things too is, and, and I, and I walk this fine line, you know, I, I don't quite, when is enough, right? Like when is enough? Like I'm not, I am, I am as conservative as the guys you're going to run into, but I also do ask myself this question. When is enough? Like yeah. when you're, when you hit the trillion dollar mark, is that enough? When you hit the $500 billion mark, well, is that enough? There's biblical principles, you know, and there's actually philosophical principles that say the more wealth, the more knowledge, the more the more you have, the less you're happy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're not. I mean, that's really where I mean, uh, you know, that's why I kind of adwi- admire to some level Warren Buffett. You know, he's worth tons, but he lives in the same house he's always lived in. He, he didn't let that change the core of who he was. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm going to still eat McDonald's for lunch. And, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't change those habits. I mean, Sam, Sam Walton. Yeah. From Walmart. Mm-hmm. That dude drove the same pickup truck for I don't know how many years. Right. I mean, yep. he, I mean, okay. There's some attitudes behind that, but, and, and look, I know some really wealthy people that I, I don't think badly of at all. Mm-hmm. And I know some really wealthy people who give a lot. A lot. Yes. Um, so, so I, I don't think, so if we're talking about money and finances, wealth does not automatically take on a negative no. connotation. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm, but, uh, yeah. but, you know, one of those questions is. I wanted to qualify that though. Yeah. What do we, you know. When is enough? When is enough? Is right? that very, I mean, look, if you, if you built a business and you want to keep growing it, because I mean, look, if your goal is to help people 
growing your business, hiring more people, you're helping more people. If, yeah. you're, if you're being more profitable and you're able to do more with your business, you're able to, uh, uh, buy company programs and stuff like that. You're able to give more to this, Absolutely. this, this, that that's great. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, I mean, and look, this is the, we have to understand that our view of money in this country is probably much different than most of the world because we are uh, we live in a very very rich country still. well one of the worries that i have and especially with the young this younger generation is there's an entitlement well there's yeah well, that's gotta worth, go i'll tell the story a thousand times and i'll tell it a thousand more times because i'm still every time i tell it i still have a sense of shock i was a operations manager for a company and you know guy walks in he's probably in his 20s he was a Uber driver. He was wearing cutoff jean shorts, flip flops, and a tank top to a job interview. Nice, which was my first red flag. Um, and we sit down, and I said, "Hey, you know, what are you looking to make?" Um, which was part of the conversation. What do you? Look? And he told me, he goes, "Well, as an Uber driver, I've been making about twenty-two thousand dollars a year." He goes, but I'd like to make somewhere around 90000 a year, and I think you can pay me that. Zero experience on the job, zero knowledge of what I did, yet felt entitled to ask me for that amount of money. And with a straight face, I laughed. Like, I started laughing. I was like, <laughs> and he's like, I'm not, I'm not joking. I was like, I am. This is ridiculous. This is just a ridiculous conversation to be having. Right. Like I've always have been. It took me a lot of years to build up a lot of management experience for me to step out into those roles and, and ask for more money and be confident doing it. Um, But you have to put the work in, you know, to get the financial security. There has to be some work put in. Right. This this brings up a good topic. Yeah. OK. So we're talking about how we think of money and how we approach money or finances in the workforce. Mm -hmm. Okay. This, this is huge. It's okay to be content with what you make. As long as you're content with what you're doing, where you're at in corporate America, we were talking about this earlier. If you want to move up, keep going up that ladder, there's an expectation that you will be ambitious and you will go for more money and more responsibility and more things. If you're not doing that, or if you're not making it known that you want those things, that you're looking for that, working towards that, you won't get there. There, you know, corporate America is, is <laughs> exist to make money. Yeah. The core of everything they do is all around making profit. Yes. So in your own like occupation, if you're in corporate America, you need, if you want to move up, you, that's one of the core things you should be doing is how can you show that you do want to move up? How can you exemplify that you're worth more? Mm -hmm. Because what, and, and it all boils down to the money they pay you, what are they going to get out of? And if you're demonstrating that if you pay me X, I will give you Y, and that comes out in their favor, 
that equation works. But if you keep saying, pay me X, you, you get Y, and that does not come out in their favor, then you, it's never going to work. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. It really doesn't. That's how corporate America works. So f- I think f- going into this a little bit, when you're a, a person with a Christian worldview, and there's principles behind that, which we can get into, but mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm not, I'm supposed to not love money. I'm supposed to be content with what I have and all this kind of stuff, which is true. There's nothing wrong though with moving up. There's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with promotions and everything. You do have to be a little ambitious and a little, not money like hungry, but you have, you have to play the game. Well, you have to understand that, that that's part of the equation, right? You can't take it out of the equation. No. Like, you know, and even in what I do, you know, there has to be a level of ambition for you to want to get more and do more. And right. Partly because in what I do, profitability comes from managing my time. Cause if I manage my time, I can have more clients. I can do more things. Right. So I can grow my business. But it's funny that you speak about biblical principles. There is a book called wealth and wisdom, the five Bible based principles of financial life. Okay. Um, and I will post this book. We'll post this. I got this, but it's, it's, um, it says wealth and wisdom. It's a five Bible based principles on financial life and financial management explores five biblical principles of financial management. These principles include tithing, stewardship, contentment. You brought that up generosity and saving. Um, interesting question. Because I look at these things, and this is kind of how I try to live, right? Give a little, maintain your money, protect your money, invest your money wisely. Be content where you're at and before you grow. Like, be content with who you are. Generosity, be generous to others. And saving, right? If you look at our current world model of finances, it includes none of those. <laughs> like that's the best way to say it. Our our current world model includes none of those. And this is a statistic and I don't know where I got it. I read it in an article the other day, but I will find it. I'm going to dig it back up. Talked about influencers, like like Instagram influencers and TikTok influencers and I think 8% of them make a six-figure salary from their from their postings uh-huh 92% are bankrupt <laughs> yeah you know what i'm saying like so it's it's funny that you say that because you know saving is definitely not happening i mean i mean 80 something percent of americans are saying that a 400 dollar expense would be something they couldn't cover that that's an that's a massive number, right? Um, stewardship. Well, if you're not saving, you're not doing good stewardship, right? You're not protecting. Tithing. Man, that's a that's a biblical thing. So there's a very small percentage who are tithing into the church and and helping it grow. Contentment. If you're an Instagram influencer, you're not content. <laughs> that's why you're an influencer. You're. You I know. know. I mean, look, they're they're. But that that because 
a lot of those influencers, though, are very cultural centric. Yeah. So that's they have to, in order to maintain their influence, yeah. they have to be in the culture and they have to yeah. live like that. And that's no wonder. Well, but then you got guys like a shout out to Mr. Beast. He gives away most of what he makes. And and I've watched his videos. My sons are huge fans, right? Like they love Mr. Beast. Um, uh, he was on my man, Joe Rogan's podcast. And I, I listened to that whole podcast. It was actually one of the best I've heard, but he really is out there at the end of the day to, to help people. And, and I feel like, there are some out there, right? There's some mm -hmm. good, really generous, you know, talking about Joe Rogan, talking about The Rock, talking about these guys that are influencers that are also out there really, really helping people, like really putting in effort to to help people, you know, when they need it. And I, I feel like the ones that are hyper successful, right, are following a lot of these principles. Yeah. Right? And and what 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 shocks me is how it escapes the majority right like everybody says well i, I want to be the next joe rogan well you better be generous because joe rogan's a very generous guy does a lot you better you better be you know he has to have good stewardship over the product that he produces in order to keep it quality so that people want to listen to it there's a lot that goes into that right so so what is it where do you think the disconnect is where people say Oh man, you know, I've made money, but it's all gone. <laughs> like, wh where is that disconnect? Materialism, that, dude. Yeah. Well, I was. I mean, that's part of it. Well, let's say, but, so it's like this: you don't understand it; it's fleeting. Yeah. You don't. It's there's a concept with any of this stuff where, I mean, if we think about it, money. Look, money's really just. A, a, it is just a concept that is throw, thrown out there in the ether that we just kind of use as currency to, to trade back and forth with stuff about goods and services. And I think it's like all about why, why some of this stuff, like in general, why families these days aren't saving. Um, they, they haven't adjusted their quality of, life for what they make yeah on a consistent basis someone may do that right they may say okay well i make you know let's say a family makes 50k a year they're like okay we're gonna this is how much we can spend whatever but then they're not aware of like inflation has caused some things but they, they didn't change anything mm -hmm. they're still spending the same amount of money but that same amount of money actually costs some more money now. Yeah. And they get way less. That's what I'm saying. So it, it, the the stewardship part becomes, it, it really boils down to like staying on top of that, your, well, just your finances. Yeah. Okay. And these influences and stuff go beyond that because they're in the public eye. So there's a expectation of them to do whatever that is. Right. I mean, um, if it's some beauty person, well, obviously they're going to spend a ginormous amount of money on beauty be stuff for their own look or their, their place they live in car. They drive all that stuff is going to be important to them. 
So they're not going to say, well, I only got, I got, okay, I got, I say, well, they're not going to save anything. I got, I need to buy a car that's flashy in order to keep up with my look. Mm-hmm. That's going to get them in trouble because it's not, you're, you're not looking at your in, your income. You're not looking at your outflow and saying, where's that, where's that balance out? Well, I think a lot of it too is that there's no value to them in the currency itself. And I think a lot of this comes from my background where when I grew up, I grew up, pardon me while I adjust my mic, I grew up pretty money poor. I do. You know, and that changes the way we view it, right? But a lot of the current influencers are, haven't experienced that. They haven't experienced being money poor. They've experienced being instant. And, and that's one of those things, the dangers of instant success. Cause a lot of them you'll hear, well, I posted this one video and it got 5 million views. And the next thing you know, I'm the next big thing. It, it, it scares me a little. Cause to, I often think, man, what if I had that kind of success? And then right after that, I think, man, what if I had that kind of success? Would I be able to hold myself together to have that instantaneous explosion? But part of it too is, you know, they they don't have any, there's no value to it, right? Like it's, it's a feel good thing. It's not a do right thing. Um, well, yes, but I, I've, okay. I have a little, I do, I do stray away from a little bit of the traditional conventional wisdom of like saving and stuff. Not that I don't, but, um, I know I'm only here for so long. Mm-hmm. I don't have very long here to live on this earth, so I'm going to use it, whatever that is, right? So there's a balance between getting stuff you want versus like saving for X, Y, you putting on mercy fund, all this stuff. There is a balance there, that, and everybody has to figure that out. For anybody who's doing like, I guess this is going back to this. It's kind of like, look, there's lots of resources mm-hmm. uh, and lots of different philosophies on how to run your family finances, regardless if you're an influencer or not or whatever. You got all the way from the Dave Ramsey um, philosophy of like you don't buy anything with credit. You just always cash. You always have you have six months in an emergency fund. You do this. You do this to people who say you don't save anything because it's not, you're not going to, it's unsafe. It's this and that to using like home equity loans or, or life insurance policies or whatever the case is. There's all kinds of ways to manage your finances for you and your family. Mm -hmm. What I mean, I I looked at, I don't know how many of them to be honest. Cause I mean, it's like at at some point you gotta, you, you have to say, how can I use my money better? Mm-hmm. So, so there's, there's a stage to this, I think. And let's go back to this. You get to the point where you're an adult. And now you got to start making money for yourself and paying for yourself. Mm-hmm. So you get a job, you start doing things and you're like, okay, I got this. I got to pay my rent. I got to pay gas to get places. I got to pay, you know, whatever car expenses or um, travel, whatever it is, right? You're, you're doing all that. So you get that under control. That takes a while. You got to figure that out. So they're okay. I can spend. Then you figure out I can spend this much money. I make this much money. I spend this much money. I got this. You have to make a choice. The first choice is <laughs> how much of the money I get in 
do I want to, do I have to spend on cost of living? How much money do I want to save? How much money am I going to just throw to what I want? You have to make that choice and you have to put that down and make that in. Now, whether you put it on paper, in your head, whatever, but there's still that. Let's say you keep going. You got to make, you have a family. Let's say you meet someone, you have a family. Okay. Now you're talking about, okay, how much do I make? How much do we need to live? How much do I, and it's the same kind of equation. And then you start having kids. That gets even more complicated because now it's like, okay, well, <laughs> that we became bigger. How much I'm getting in? Do I, what do I need to do to save for my kids? If at all, it's up to you, but I'd advise you do that. And then if you start growing things, you start moving up. It's it just that, that equation is the same. And it really just comes down to like, where am I going to, and I'm getting back to your point. Where do I want to set my goal of equilibrium to where I'm getting enough in? And there's not the, the amount going out. What's left equates to how much I want to save, invest, and um, do what I want to do. Those things have to be diligently looked after. I don't, I, I have, I use Quicken. Mm -hmm. Um, if I don't get in Quicken daily, mm -hmm. it is a bear <laughs> to like get, cause during vacation, for instance, yeah. week and a half goes by, I come back and I'm like, I have to spend, I'm still not caught up <laughs> with, with Quicken stuff to make sure inflow outflow go here go here that kind of stuff is all lined out and i know exactly where it is but i'm really diligent about it i have to be because you're well of course income outcome all that stuff all that it's a huge deal so i then i have to then i have to start planning out okay so let's say we go beyond that the the month of expenses you have in order to like cost of living savings investments whatever which even with the best of intentions that can happen sometimes yeah yeah right so now you now i look at three months out i look at six months out i look to a year out and i say okay six months this is where i, I have this i want to do what do i need to do in order to get there i have you know a year out okay this is i kind of want to do this next year how am i going to plan my finances around to get to there I think that's important for everybody to kind of look at and go, okay, look, because it, it's not really about just this month. It's about six months from now. Where are you going to be? Now, you don't know about your job. You don't know about any of that stuff. But that's what that's what emergency funds are for and all that kind of stuff. So contentment, I guess, I'm going to get <laughs> roundabout way. Contentment gets to the point where you're like, I'm good with, I know my family's living how I want kind of i'm i'm ha i'm content with how i'm happy to live i'm content with how much i'm saving and i'm got enough to where i know in the future something you know i'm planning for the future with that so my contentment is equal to all that stuff lining up okay well it says in proverbs the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty so that really kind of speaks to what you just said as far as just 
you know, making sure that, you know, you're diligent about your money, you're diligent, you're, you're, you're practicing good stewardship and you're not being hasty with decisions, right? I think a lot of money problems are, we live in a satisfaction culture and people think of money as a way to achieve satisfaction. Um, I used to think that way. More money I had, the more satisfied I'd be. Now I feel more often than not, I feel the more security I have, the more satisfied I'll be, right? Like for me, you know, I don't want a million dollar home. I don't want expensive cars. None of that really appeals to me, honestly. It doesn't really, you know, right now I just want my kids to be safe, my wife to be safe and for us to be moving forward, you know? So, um, so you were talking about the different, I'd love to talk about this and get an opinion. My wife and I did Dave Ramsey and we actually got pretty far. Like we wiped out a ton of debt. Um, I don't necessarily agree with a hundred percent of the principle of Dave Ramsey because, and I'm not saying that I think he's doing anything wrong. I really am. A lot of the stuff I do agree with, you know, the way he talks about planning and, and the snowball effect, those are all really good principles, but I don't agree with the entirety of the philosophy in the sense that, especially in your younger years, when you're, you can make hay, right? Like you're, 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 you're in that work mode, that build mode. Um, so, you know, what would you say is in your opinion, the best philosophy, or would you say the best philosophy uh, could be? I don't have, I don't. Okay. Let me say this. The best philosophy does not work for everybody. Yeah. Everybody's going to have some different opinions about things, but I'll, I'll, I'll go back to this and say like, if you got to look for what I look at the economy, what, how does our economy work? In the scope of like, how do corporations, what do they do with their money? What do banks do with their money? What do do insurance companies do with their money? Right? Yeah. They're not just putting it under the mattress. They're not putting it in, yeah, they're not putting it in savings accounts. They're actually using a lot of loans, a lot of investments. It's, it's like a constant thing of a loan here and push it here, push it. It's always influx, outflux, but there's always an, 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 there's always an amount of debt going on somewhere. Mm-hmm. And debt's not, I guess this is where I'm at with why I don't, debt's not necessarily a bad thing because it's using, you can use that debt for purposes. Mm-hmm. One, there's, there, and there's a couple systems I looked into because I'm, and, and, you know, they may work for some people, but there's like a, the infinite, infinite banking concept, which is you're, you take out, if you own a home, you have equity in your home, you take out like a home equity line of credit you and you use that line of credit basically to like fund your expenses and you're paying that back plus the mortgage, right? So it's kind of like what I do with my American Express card. It's like you're, you use this equity line of credit and you're paying that back every month. And that allows you to be more, you can put more towards your mortgage and pay it off faster if your income and outcome is a certain, it reaches a certain level. Okay. Velocity banking. I'm sorry. Infinite banking is using whole life insurance policies, right? I got that backwards. Velocity banking is using the home equity line of credit. Sorry. Um, lost velocity banking. I didn't like that very much. Cause I didn't, I didn't, um, <sighs> 
it just to me you had to, you, the the amount of in the amount of expenses you had versus what your home it was like really it had to be a lot your your expenses that you spend living life have to be like really not, i mean way less than other things infinite banking is you take out whole life policies that you're funding and then that builds that actually has an investment value that builds interest mm-hmm. and you borrow from it to buy things borrow so from the death benefit you, you borrow from the death benefit yes yeah. and you but you so it's like it's a stair step thing um where you pay into it for a few years whatever amount of years until you get enough in there that's able to be borrowed from you use for like buying a car and then instead of paying somebody for a car loan you're paying back your insurance your life insurance policy mm-hmm. so in other words you keep building on that capital that you have in that insurance policy, you're just borrowing from it and putting it back, put it, put, you know, 401k loan. It's kind of a, I use mm-hmm. it all the time because it's like, I'm paying myself back and I'm not paying anybody. So I'll take out a 401k loan for something big. I'll just pay myself back. I'm earning interest on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not really, it's, it's, it's a considered a debt, but it's, I'm really just paying myself back. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess for me, I do, I do all kinds of things, man. So my, my best, philosophy is really i i look for my maximum amount of cash flow i can get a month mm-hmm. um without defaulting on loans and all that kind of stuff i want to keep track of that i want to make sure i'm any debts i incur are things that i deem worthy of that i consider that a very serious thing so i look at i just don't get all go out and get a loan for just everything that's not true i try to use what assets i have and like borrow from those for things so that I'm not just going out and doing all this kind of other stuff. Okay. So, so my best, <laughs> the way I do it probably isn't best for everybody, but I have, you know, there's more coming in than going out all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I've messed around with some investments, but I'm just, I don't, it's really volatile. So I still have an investment account. I still have money in there, whatever, but it's not like I'm not doing any kind of like trading or whatever. Mm-hmm. I kind of just do um, S and P 500 type of funds and stuff um, to kind of just do a little bit just to have some in there. But most of it's with, um, home like a home equity line of credit and i use that and i'm paying it back or whatever as quick as i can kind of stuff that's how i work it's i maximize my cash flow however way that is i don't i try not to have as much debts and loans i don't want a lot of them you know i try to keep that to a minimum Mm -hmm. but i don't begrudge like going out and getting some kind of loan for something. If I, if I'm like, well, yeah, that's something that we really need or whatever. As long as my cash flow works, mm-hmm. I don't really, I'm, I'm cool. So that's my way of doing it. Um, I do save, mm-hmm. we do, we do save money. Um, and I kind of divide up savings to like with, a, a, there's a savings and investment. It's kind of how I line it out. And I do that every month. So investment to me 
is not just uh, buying stocks or whatever. It's really paying back and putting into the house or mm-hmm. it's paying more back. If I, if I have a home equity loan at the time, making sure I'm paying that back. If I got a little extra, dump that in there or something. Yeah. So that, that's kind of how I do it. Um, in the future that I think that's going to change too. Cause I kind of want to do some, I want to expand that investment thing out a little bit, but, um, Oh, Oh, tithing. So, so tithing for me, we, we currently aren't involved in a church on a routine basis. Well, I think, all right. So I, I, I know that's where I'm getting to. Yeah. For me, tithing doesn't necessarily mean money. Right. right? Correct. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I love the current church I'm in. Cause they're very clear that yes, they appreciate tithing if it can happen, but they would like for you, if you can't put money out, put time out, put all those things out. Right. So the pressure's off, right? The, the pressure valves open, you know, give where you can, what you can, how you can. Right. Yeah, I mean, when we were church hopping, church shopping, I should say, we went to this one church, and it was like they spent 20 minutes talking about how you shouldn't just give 10%. You should give us as much as possible so we can do all this stuff. And it was like this whole thing they were talking about how all this stuff, and they were really radical um, it was like a cult, man. It was like, yeah, you want, you yeah, kind of, no. yeah, no pass. And, and, you know, when I, I do believe your cash is, you know, your actual money you have is part of tithing, but it does go beyond that. Mm-hmm. Am I helping people? And, you know, look, there's, there's, it's not like I'm saying, I don't think in my personal opinion, that means that every time I get money from somebody. There's an automatic, you know, significant percent off of that that just goes into a tithing fund or something. Mm -hmm. I don't do that because it goes beyond the dollar amount that I have. There's times when I give way more money. There's times I don't give anything. But there's also times when I give way more time, all this kind of other stuff. There's, There's a lot of times, though, his kingdom is so is everything. You know, when I had when I had a homeless man live in my home for like a, a well, almost a year, that was a lot of a lot of time. Mm-hmm. A lot of money. That's I'm giving back to his kingdom. That's yeah. part of it. Now, look, should you should you we should always keep in mind that nothing is ours anyway. We're stewards of everything that he created. So the betterment of his kingdom involves everything, not just one thing. Proverbs 21, 20. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but the foolish man devours all he has. Reggie, you are full of wisdom because you keep feeding right into all these Bible verses that I've plopped up, man. So I think that, you know, I think part of what you say is true. I think part of, I think there's, I don't think there's any finite singular way to be good or bad at it. I think it's, you know, I, I think 
financial growth involves a certain percentage of risk, period. There's not really anything you can do to get away from it. No. You know, and I've talked to a lot of people. Um, my father-in-law is very, very smart man when it comes to money. Like, you know, meet those people that are just gifted with that. He's very gifted with that ability to handle money. And he takes calculated risk, right? And I think because he's willing to take those calculated risks, he's grown and become and and very generous man. My my wife's family's super generous. People love them so much. Um, but you know, I think it's different for everybody. I think if you tried to tie, I think that's the struggle, right? Like everybody wants their thing to be the thing, right? I want my thing to be the thing. And 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 I think if applied properly a lot of different financial strategies can work depending on how well and deep you're willing to get committed into it. Right. But I think we live in a world where following a single strategy is going to get you a single style of result. Right. I think that having a good combination of attacks and strategies, especially when it comes to financing, but also using good biblical sense, don't be wasteful with your money, you know, be generous when you can, you know, well, you know, I do want to make a point, though. Okay, we we live in a society where things cost money. If you belong to a church, you should be a part of help of paying for things their church has to pay for. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's going to be hardly anything from you, but sometimes that could be almost everything you have. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people who who start with these church plants and stuff like that. And for the beginning of it, man, it's, it's all about how can we pay the bills this month? Well, encounter when we were there, I know that their beginnings, but that would, it was like a library. They were in the library or something, a school, in a a school, all kinds of things. I mean, heck for the amount of time we were there, they're, they're probably still there inside the old Walgreens. Right. So, you know, I think that there's, you know, well, I'm just saying you have to, if you're if you're a member of a church body, you need to have a financial responsibility to that church body. That's yeah. all I want to say. That that amount can vary. Yeah. Yeah. He the Bible just gives you an example, say like ten percent, but it, it also gives you an example given everything. Well, and it, I mean a it lot of it both. too is hey, you know, um, one way of doing that, and you know, part of my tie to the church is. I'm a donut dude. I come and get the donuts. I pay for all that. I pay for the juice, the milk. And not I don't want any recognition for it. But what that is, is that's my way of saying, here, man, the church, the church's coffers can go for helping others instead of going for this. So let me help the church with this so that the church doesn't have to be concerned with this. And that financial part that they want to give to that can go to something more powerful, a family in need, a, you know, something like that. So there's, there's, there's lots of different ways to do it. Yeah. I mean, but it it goes beyond money. That's the, that's the whole point, but it is, and I just must stress, it is your responsibility to contribute to that church body. If you are a member of a body, you need to be contributing. Absolutely. You mean, look, that's what it's all about. Now there's time. Look, there's been many times when you're in, you don't look, you don't have it. Well, that's okay. But as long as everybody's diligent and stewards of their stuff, you should be able to compensate there. Mm-hmm. Give a little bit more here, less than a little more here, less than I mean, that's the way it is. Um, 
I, but I think it, it all it all comes down to the love of money and how you look at money. If you realize that it's just it's just really not even it's just some stupid thing we use to barter for goods and services. It's not really, you know, it's really it's it's not it's not all that. Like sure, I get it. You got to I mean there's a lot of people that don't have it and it sucks. Been there. Mhm. Um I I know. And it, th- th- I guess that's where I'm going. Everybody's at a different point. It could be really critical for you. It could be not critical at all. Or it could be something you don't even think about whatsoever. You just, meh. Well, right? for, for me, um, and all right, so we're going to talk about me personally a little bit, <laughs> uh, which I'm not normally a person to do. So right now, um, and this is just speaking, just speaking truth, right? I, I, I have nothing to hide. I'm 100% out there. Um Right now, money's kind of a burden to me in a way. Like, um, and I know I'm in a season, right? I know I'm in a season where, you know, inflation's here, you know, a loaf of bread, the average cost of a loaf of bread nationally was $1.59 before COVID. It's almost $6 now. So I realized, okay, so we have inflation and it's more than 4%. I don't care what the lie is. It's more than 4%. Um, uh, I have, I work multiple jobs and for me, the burden is not necessarily the money. The burden is the, the feeling at times, like I'm just lashed to that wheel. Like I can't get away from it. You know what I mean? Like you're just, like you're just caught in the grinder and you, they just keep processing you through, man. Like you're going to, and I know it's, I know it's a season and I know through, you know, what God tells me that there's going to be seasons of great bounty and, seasons of you know you know drought and you just have to be able to deal with those things and be grateful for where you are and but honestly something that i struggle with as of late and uh is just this this feeling that money's like a yoke mm-hmm. and i can't I, I don't it's not that i don't have it it's that i need to really be in that working part of myself and and I'm not a spring chicken anymore like I'm not 30 years old so I don't have that you know I can work harder than most people 20 years younger than me that doesn't necessarily mean that I want to because you reach a point in life where you're like eh you know is it worth it you know and 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 I know that it's to protect my family and I know it's to provide for my family and I know it's so that I can you know, live life and do the things that need to be done and the expenses and all those things. But as of late, it's just been very, you know, it's almost like every decision that I make in some way is tied to money. Mm. Every conversation that I have is in some way tied to money. And, and those conversations have become very, very burdensome at times. And so I have to pray a lot. I have to really talk to God about how do I deal with this not in the money part of it. it that doesn't really, you know, I'm, uh, God provides, right? I'm okay with that. It's the, you know, how do I get off the motorized hamster wheel? Like, <laughs> and I'm not talking lawnmower engine. I'm talking about 368 cubic inch. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I mean, look, dude, here, here's, here's the thing. 
I'm sorry. I couldn't pass it. No, nah, dude. The, our current country, yeah. culture, everything. There's a lot of complexity around everything. There's really not very many things that are truly simple. No, not anymore. Now, concepts. We have some truly simple concepts, but if you look at how how much stuff and how many like bills and how much things we have today we pay for compared mm -hmm. to even like 50 years ago, it's hugely different about what we actually have as a monthly expense now that isn't a necessity, quote unquote, right? Mm -hmm. We spend so much more money now for a lot of conveniences and stuff that we, that weren't there. Not that long ago. Um, and it's just getting more. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's not, it's not a simple thing. And, and our, the way we've, I'll go, go, go here. There are, there are, I, I would not forces, uh, uh, I would say the uber wealthy in the world do make things more difficult for others on purpose. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff and that keep us busy and occupied and thinking about things that are on purpose because it's kind of what they want. They want you to be worrying about this, doing your daily thing, not worrying about or uh, wor worrying about your money and working more, working harder, doing all the for somebody else so that you can. I mean, it's really what it look. It's on purpose. Um. And regardless of what your financial situation is, you can. Here's here's the one philosophy I've always, and I can't remember where I heard it the first time. You can always make more money, but you can't make more time. No, you cannot. You know, and that's the thing for me. That I've I've like latched on to. I can't get this back. This this little time here, we've just been doing it. this moment. Mm -hmm. Can't get it back. I can make more money. I can go freaking cut somebody's yard, make a little bit of money, right? I can do something, make money. Yeah. But I can't make the time. If you ask me, the most valuable resource that we have that we don't use is far greater than money, and it's time. We don't use our time efficiently like we should. A lot of times. Now, now, I'm not saying take all your time and don't rest and don't enjoy things. That's actually the opposite of what I'm saying. But we have to understand that money is just a, it's just, it's, it's not evil. It's not good. It's just a tool that is used for means. Consider that as well as your time. Yeah. Well, and, uh, Money is not evil. The love of money is evil. Yes. Right. So, but, you know, that being said, too, you know, let's talk a little bit about the biblical principle, kind of where the 10% tithing, you know, because I mean, I have, I've been in churches where they're like, you have to give exactly 10%. Oh, I've been in churches where they like want to see your like W2. Yeah. Or, and then they want to match that up for what you gave. You know, we went to a church in uh, Louisville, and uh, <laughs> Julie and I walked in, 
And the first thing the greeter said to us before we got in, we had never been to this church before, was not, we're glad to see you, not, hey, you know, good that you showed up. It was, the donation box is right there. We take checks in cash. Like the, literally that was the first thing he asked us was, mm. you know, had we tithed that day? And I was like, dude, I've never even been in your door before. Right. So, you know, I, there's this just perpetual argument between a lot of churches of, you know, 10% or well, as, as much as you can. And what, and I feel like a lot of people, that's where a lot of the money in church thing gets kind of the nasty reputation, right? Like, you know, and then you've got, of course, you know, and I'm rabbit trail, but I'm going on it. Uh, you've got the Joel Osteens, you've got the Crespo dollars, you've got the, 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 you've got all these prosperity preachers that want to, they want to make you unwealthy while they become wealthy. They want to, or as they like to say, we want to unburden you from your financial shackles which is a nice way of saying, give me all your money so I can buy a private jet and have a facility that seats, you know, 80,000. And so, and, and, and that's not every church. Let's be clear. I know some great churches that are mega churches that man, they're super transparent and they're giving a ton of money away to charities and a ton of money away in missions. And, and I, and I have no problem with that, but I think this, I think one of the things that we need to help in this in money is clearing up this thing of, you know, oh, I can't go to church because I can't afford to. I can't tithe. I can't yeah, that's bullshit. donate. That's garbage, yep. right? The church is, God doesn't care if your rags are riches. He just wants you there, right? Like celebrate, worship. Worship can be a form of tithe, right? You know? Well, man, look, like, I fervently am against any church who requires anybody to give a certain amount. Absolutely against that. It's not a requirement. It should be led by the Holy Spirit. That's what right. you should give. Now, the spirit of generosity should be ever present. You should want to give yeah. not just money, but time and skills. You want to love the people around you. You want to be generous with your love and your, your understanding. And, and, and this is where I'm, I go with a lot of time, because I think nowadays, if you're in certain, uh, in certain parts of the country, people are actually willing to give their money. Mm -hmm. They'll give money all day. You know what they won't do? They won't show up for a service thing. No, they won't volunteer. They'll they won't write a do check. This. They'll write a check. <laughs> that's no, that's not okay. I mean, again, churches need – people don't understand. There's a lot – there is so much to do and keep a church. If you if you have a building, if you have – Maintenance. You got maintenance. You got utilities. You got materials. Supplies for you know, Bible schools. What, supplies whatever. For, you There's know, a lot. Yeah. It's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, man. I mean, look, it takes people. It takes – money it takes people it takes time i mean look there's so many ways that you can give and there's some people who i know uh, one story and i can't remember their names they were doctors it was a husband and a wife uh they got to a point 
with their income. And I think it was like hundred grand they were making a year. And they said, at this point, anything we earn on top of it, we're just going to give to the church. Well, they opened their own practice and that went to like many locations. They still gave everything on top of that hundred grand to the church. That's dude. I know hundreds of thousands of dollars a year mm-hmm. were given to the church just because they decided that's how they wanted to do it. That's fantastic. Look, I love that. That's, that's great. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody can like has this, has the spirit of that. I mean, God gives us all different ways to contribute to his kingdom. That's true. That's very true. You know, we all have different talents. We all, we all do. Mm-hmm. Now, I think everybody should give some kind of money. Okay, sure. But again, variable. Because everything you have is his anyway. <laughs> well, I believe if your heart is pointed towards him, you're going you're gonna to feel the natural need to want to give your talent, your time, your, 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 I mean, whatever it is that you have to give. And, and here's an example. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you no, off. That's okay. When I played at the Southeast worship team, right, um, I did not care about going to another campus for to to play worship. I considered it an honor just to be doing it in the first place. And some of these campuses were pretty far away. Mm-hmm. And for me, sometimes I'd have to leave it like way before the sun came up in order to get there for rehearsal on time, set up and all this kind of stuff. So I did not have a single bit of problem getting up at like five in the morning, getting my drum stuff together, driving out to some way out campus, whatever it may be, setting up, spending six hours or something, doing services or whatever, packing all my stuff back up, sweating my balls off doing it. And then driving all the way home, getting everything back unorganized. It was like how it felt so. It was. It, I never had a problem with that. And you can't put a value on. I mean, look, what are you going to do? Stamp that and say, "Oh, that was this much money." No, it, and it, it to me, it, it, what I got out of it was way more than what I could ever give. Well, dude, you drove how far to encounter every Sunday? Oh yeah, that was a long. That was long. That was a long drive, dude. <laughs> oh, by the way, if anybody hasn't realized it by now, my man Reg over here is a hyper-talented drummer. I've listened to him play. My man has the <laughs> rhythms. He has the rhythms. Dude, he just has the rhythms. But it's, I gave so much, there's so much of that I gave to to his, and I would tomorrow. I mean, like, it, I never had a problem using my talents and skills and time and, you know, whatever money was, like replacing drum heads or drumsticks or drum hardware or Helping the church do something with their drum stuff or their PA stuff. or I just like it just didn't. I was so wanting to help. Right. Mm-hmm. Using my skill set for his kingdom in a very deliberate fashion was amazing that I could do that. And it's but it's no different than if I were to go. To my neighbor and help him, you know, clean up a tree that had fallen down. It's no different than if somebody's really struggling and I just order some groceries and have them delivered to them. There's, it's no different than, I mean, look, it's service to his people. That's it. 
as long as you keep that attitude of like, what can I do? You're fine. Yeah. I mean, it's about sacrifice, right? And sacrifice doesn't always, is, isn't always green, right? You know, I mean, and let's be honest, and this is something that uh, you and I have talked about this many, many times. And and this is and I'm not picking on any particular church when I say this. If the Western church was doing its job, money wouldn't even be an issue. No. Right? It would be it would be five thousandth on the list of the five thousand things that the church should be doing, right? So and, and keep in mind too, there's a lot of stuff you have to do in order to protect people. Yes. Because you have, even in the church, you have people who take advantage of things and stuff. So, I mean, it's, again, there's complexity involved here because we're sinful creatures. Yes, that's absolutely true. You know, there's that too. Yeah. I did want to go back. Okay, lay it on me. And talk a little bit about inflation. My worst enemy. Go ahead. Let me tell you this. It's a Ponzi scheme for the government. It absolutely is. Yeah. Let's let's just be real. Yeah. Now, what exactly is it? The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics calculates the consumer price index. The consumer price index is like a they take a like a bunch of goods and services and they say, okay, this is how much it is. Um, it tracks the changes of like the cost of. Uh, food and average, food and beverages, housing, apparel, transportation, education, communication, recreation, medical care, and some other like smaller goods and services, right? So it incorporates the C, they call it the CPI, the consumer price index. The, uh, it's also the pr- producer, consider the pr- producer price index too. Um, and the, Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, PCE. Okay, all three of these things. Okay, the the PPI is the changes in price that companies receive for the goods and services they sell each month. So that's how much the companies are actually getting for their stuff. Uh, PCE, the, the Consumption Expenditures Price Index, is actually how much consumers pay for goods and services in the economy. Um, all three of those things go into how inflation comes to be. That's what it's based on. It's kind of how, what those are determines your, your inflation. The federal open markets committee determines that inflation, they, they like determined that, it, uh, I'm sorry, they did determine that a 2% inflation rate is the optimal employment and price stability. So that means like, you know, if you're, if your inflation goes like your, the cost of things goes up a little bit, like 2%, that's like a healthy growth where you're balancing things out. What happens and what's going on now is where prices for things are way more than 2%. They've risen over the, over monthly, monthly farther than that 2% by a lot. And you have where, where your $1 is now worth less than what it was. Cause it's going to, it doesn't cost just a dollar to buy that, that thing. It's now like $4. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, that's really what it infl- boils down to inflation and it's all <laughs> the federal reserve 
does some magic with interest rates and stuff like that with, and they look, I'm not, I'm far beyond an economist or, or macroeconomics professor or something like that. But it is, it is all just people that just say, let's do this and let's do this. And remember when I was talking about how banks and insurance companies, how they use their money, that prime interest rate that the federal reserve kind of, bumps up and down a little bit is affected. I mean, those, those interest rates that the companies and stuff we're dealing with are directly related to that prime interest rate. So we, you know, it gets really stupid, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really a decision people are making <laughs> way up there uh, about how they can help, you know, spur the economy and stuff. Well, and the thing we also have to keep in mind, um, and this is something that I've never understood where this became normalization going along with what you said is think about interest rates. What are interest rates actually? Interest rates are profitability, right? Um, the reason a credit card company charges you interest rates is because if they just let you pay that amount of money back and they never charge you any interest, they're legitimately not going to make any money. So part of their profitability is interest rates, right? Um, and, and it's the same thing with the new home mortgages. Banks' interest rates have gone up. That's Their profitability has gone up. Um, so one of, these, one of the lies that we kind of accept about inflation is, well, the cost of goods naturally goes up. Well, it does. Again, at around a 1.5% to 2% rate of inflation, right? And that's not monthly. By the way, one to two percent is is not a monthly thing. If it went up one to two percent, that's what it's doing right now. Like it's been doing that perpetually. And as far as the as far as the uh, the the mortgage rates going up to control inflation, you're doing a terrible job, <laughs> right? Like, be, let me speak as a consumer to the the mortgage index going up for its rates. You're doing a terrible job. Um. It's profitability, right? So I don't feel sorry for credit card companies. I don't feel sorry for banks. I don't feel sorry for, you know, all of these predatory loan companies. Oh, well, it was 24%. Now it's 29%. Cry me a river. You're making hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars off Americans' backs. Um, and you could do the same thing and still survive and still grow and still profit and go back to 3% on your mortgage. You're, you're just not going to, you're not going to pitch me that. Um, there's a, there's a wave of, I don't know if it's neglect or ignorance. I don't know which one it is where we have accepted what we're being told, right? Inflation is directly connected to government spending, which right now is wildly out of control. I think you and I can both agree on the fact that our government spends far more money than it needs to. It's it's also directly connected to, here's an example. I am a property company. I own lots, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres across the U.S. And I don't, I want to now get into growing corn. So I'm going to take all my property and grow corn. But you know, farmers can grow corn and sell it cheaper than I can because they already own their land. 
They don't have to pay employees. So what do I do? I march my way up to Capitol Hill and I start greasing palms. Well, if you pass this bill, you know, I'll be able to produce this much corn in a year. But there's no conversation about the farmer that goes bankrupt because you've priced him out. We we have fooled ourselves into believing that our government is doing everything that they can. They're not doing 10% of what they can. Well, true. So part of inflation, inflation is you're very, you're very right. It's a lie. It, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a money grab. It's all it is. It's a Ponzi scheme. You know, it's, it's just a way of taking more from us so they don't have to give as much. Well, inflation because of like you have a supply and demand thing. Yeah. Okay. You have a limited supply, but you have a demand that's high. So therefore it drives your price up. Mm-hmm. That you can understand. It's a thing or something that is. But when you have arbitrary, like, because this goes to the the actual, like, country economic level, mm-hmm. that it's just absurd and how they manage that stuff. Um, and I think, again, I can't say this enough. A lot of people still don't understand that the Federal Reserve is not part of the government. It's not. No. Not it's a private company. It is. That dictates. I would call it more a Wall Street company than I would anything to do with. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, like they're they're. I mean, and look and look. Since we're talking about this, the World Economic Forum. What do they say? And this is this is all like Schwab's, the the you know Soros's and all that stuff get together, and they say their goal is for everyone to not own anything and be happy. That should frighten every single person. And I should yeah. tell you what their mindset is. For sure. That's really what we're dealing with when talking about money and finances here. It is very easy. And I think that that's what, you know, Jesus talked a lot about things. And one of them was that, you know, like when his interaction in Luke with a couple of the tax collectors and the soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'll read this in Luke three twelve. He said, "And some tax collectors also came to be baptized because you know he was he was preaching. People were coming to him. I don't, I don't think like a lot of secular people understand that it wasn't like Jesus was just like this dude that had like this booth somewhere. He he was like, you know, it wasn't like that. Like he was going around performing miracles and like people were hearing this and like I know, dude. I'm sorry, I'm going to the Jesus booth. I know." <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, but it's like, no, he, he was like, think about like a, um, I don't even, I can't even think of a famous person that would make sense, but he was getting attention because of his, he was going around and teaching and like performing miracles and all this stuff. People were flocking to him because of what he was doing. It wasn't just like one or two people. We're talking like hordes of people or like yeah. always coming to him at points of his ministry for like things, thousands of people. Anyway, so at this one point in Luke, he goes, and, and some taxers came came to be baptized, and they said to him, teacher, what shall we do? Because they're like, we're getting baptized. We believe we're teaching, but we're like taking people's money. Collect no more than what you have been ordered to. Because what tax collectors were one of the, some of the most corrupt people there was then. They were the most, they were looked at with extreme disdain because they would, they would, they would just freaking say arbitrarily what people 
should give them, not really mm-hmm. whatever. So he was telling them, no, collect no more than what what you have been ordered to do. And then the soldiers said, and what about us? What shall we do? And he says, do not take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely and be content with your wages. Don't extort people. Don't violently come after them for their money. Not by force. Don't do any of that. I I brought this up because the Federal Reserve, a private company, but yet, and you have the international, the, um, Internal Revenue Service, who's my favorite government organization, um, they can, by force, take away everything. Mm-hmm. They can put you in jail. Yes. And they can even, I mean, if you if you resist, they'll kill you. So They can literally, with no, prov- no provocation at all, tell you you didn't do something, not provide reason, or reason or a reasonable explanation and require you to pay the money or be penalized by law. Well, what happens is like they can come at you for some kind of tax thing. They'll start taking a, they'll like, you know, garnish your wages and do all this kind of stuff. Then you have to then with your garnish wages or whatever they took away, you have to then go submit all this stuff to them while they're wrong, mm-hmm. which takes a long time. When that's all fine and done, let's say you win, you might get some of it. You know, it's, it's just, it's just, it's such a, well, and the, thing, show, the reason man. for that is they want you to give up. Yeah, of course they do. They, they, they want, want you to, to not even try. Like they want know. to make it so painful that you just, you know, you're so scared that you don't do any of this stuff. Right. But anyway, I guess what I'm saying is like, you, we have to understand it with money and finances that the world um, has a love for money. Mm-hmm. Our, our government has a love for money and power. And that's what they're doing for that. And there are, there, it's a definite thing that gets used all the time for that. I mean, Matthew six twenty. no one can serve two masters for either. He will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. No. So, Everything we're saying about money, we're, I mean, look, we've gone all over the place here, but whether it's inflation, we're talking about stock, <laughs> stock market investment yes. or your family finances or when you're working for a corporation or you're working for yourself or whatever, the love of money is definitely where you don't want to be. And, and just, I would just say the most important thing is just having a generous spirit that you just try to be generous with what you got. Well, and also remember that it's a season. Sometimes we have seasons of great fortune. Sometimes we have seasons of of falls and 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 shortfalls. And at the end of the day, if you don't put put your worth in your dollar, then it'll never be a concern to you. Um, and that's not to say I'm not telling you be like don't balance your checkbook. Don't I'm not saying any of that. You need to be responsible. But you know, at the end of the day. You know, if you're spiritually centered and you're doing and you're working, you know, for the betterment of a church or for your family, honestly, money's not going to be the primary in that situation. It's going to be 
a good lick down the list. And well, it's a lesson I need to learn as of late. Again, I'm, I'm struggling with money right now in the sense of it just being this heavy burden to me that I, I'm carrying around and I'm really trying to find some equilibrium with it. And it's, it's hard to do. You know? Well, everybody, I mean, look, I've been, I've been in those situations where the most important thing I can think of is like, what, where's my next dollar going to come from? Mm-hmm. I've been there. I mean, you know, I, it's just, it's, 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 it'll suck the life out of you. Mm-hmm. The, the challenging thing is to understand if you put, you just keep trucking at it, keep pushing. If then the more you stress about it, probably the less you're going to progress you're going to make. Yeah. So it's like you have to rest in him, have faith keep doing what you can and it'll it there's something that will happen yeah agreed okay i mean that's 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 just the point of it but yeah i don't know i mean look at times money is like the most critical thing especially you know look especially in the society we live in because you know it's like uh, if you can't put f- gas in your car to get to work then that's a problem. You have a real problem. Yeah. You know? And and, you, I, oh, one of my favorite things is I, I was with a guy one time and he was talking about that. He was in a bad spot and I spotted him some cash to get some gas. And the guy goes, just call an Uber. And I'm like, dude, if he doesn't have money to put gas in the car, he's not going to have money to pay an Uber. But then I thought, yeah, that's our current society, right? That's our current society yes. in that show. Right. Right. It, right. It's, it's, but you know, I think this might be the first episode we get banned on. Might get bit off YouTube because yeah. we attack the IRS and the government. And it's not really that. It's just telling people where what it is. I mean, like you know, I, I get. Look, well, and the thing is, is the information that we talk about is readily available. Like you can uh, yeah. go find it. Like the, I love how people. It's conspiratorial. No, no, no. It's not. Not at all. It's all there. It's all available. It's all you're able to look at it. It's not. It's not conspiratorial in any way, shape, or form. It's 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 actually legit. <laughs> it is look if you want to get into like real complexity of things about how the country economics work uh, look there's plenty of resources and stuff for you to get it's it's a good knowledge to have yeah uh, like how things work um if you're having look i would say this too if you're having trouble with your family finances mm-hmm. um th- there's a lot of faith-based financial advisors yes lots of them yeah uh you know um and this is one of the reasons why being a part of a church is important because you have a community of other people who can point you in directions. And well, stuff. and honestly, I mean, if you reach out, I mean, Dave Ramsey has lots of programs for people who are financially strapped that want to get started. Like, again, I don't have anything against Dave Ramsey. He's helped thousands of people get out of debt. Yeah, I mean, he's done some really amazing things. He's he's a faith based guy. <coughs> he believes in, you know, tithing and, and charity. And, and, and uh, again, followed him for a while and it was a tremendous help to my wife and I right like it was a tremendous help to us at one period in our life so that you can always reach out because if you, if they're a faith-based program they're going to have a way to help you right because that's what they're there to do is to help you so yeah I mean and, and the thing about the the Dave Ramsey thing like if you did that program and you were successful at it it's not like you would be like bad off I mean yeah. you wouldn't you'd you be would in be a great you still be in a good spot yeah um 
going beyond that and like how to use your money is where you got to kind of go beyond the Dave Ramsey's sure, processes and stuff. But anyway, I digress. Look, we, we're not economists or not bankers nope. or accountants or anything nope. like that. We just live it and, yeah. and, and kind of, we're at different points too. Yeah. You know, uh, I come from a corporate management perspective and you're, you're living in the like you're not self-employed but you might as well be yeah i mean at this point i'm it's my effort that pays me right so yeah and but you know and, and i if my employers are listening they're good people they <laughs> i'm not trying to bash you guys you guys are great but i'm but you know i'm in a situation where the amount of clients i have the amount of work i do is how much i make right so and they've been very tremendous about about helping me and helping me find ways to enhance programming and stuff like that so that being said you know, we are, we're coming from two very different places. You know, you've got younger daughters you're dealing with in that right now. You've got a son that's out and on his own and moved out. Yep. I have, I'm in the throes of, uh, you know, like four months away from having two full on teenagers. Right. So, and it's, it's a different game because teenagers and man, I love my sons and I don't mean this in a terrible way. Art X expensive yes they are they are expensive and and it's not that they my sons are great they don't ask me for a lot they don't come after me for a lot but just just making sure they get to be you know teenagers and live a great you know steady life that's a very that's a very hard road to to plow for any parent right so um and guys just find your grounding there are sources out there. There are programs out there. There's tons of them, not even faith-based. There's tons of standard programs that are that are out there to try to help people, right? Charities that have financial services, those things. If you're struggling, there's there's places to go. You just got to get out there and look, right? And, you know, feel free to reach out on the on the Facebook or the whatever, you know, and let us know. And we'd be glad to hunt something down for you. I, I'll, I'll go look and see if I can find you something. I, I don't I don't like to see people financial struggle financially that's it i will i want to say this too though i'm not a gambler yeah i've never been a gambler no. i don't really care it's not really been anything i've ever wanted i know a lot of people who are the stock market is not the place to go if you're in a tight spot yeah it is not no i just want to make that clear like there's you got some money you were like man i really could use like a couple you know thousand dollars or whatever yeah don't don't look at the stock market as like the place to go because that's not even if it does get you two thousand dollars it's not going to be in a week well like you're gonna, i mean you, look you, you need can, money uh, now you it's know. the same thing as going and, and playing blackjack or something i mean it's you're you're it's not a sure thing it really is not yeah so so i just want to make that clear yeah. <laughs> that 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 is probably my for those that I don't know, are looking for a way to like boost your assets or, or wealth or something. I, I just, you know, maybe you, you know, if you have a long-term mm-hmm. strategy, sure. Yeah. But, but, but I mean, it's pretty volatile, man. I, mean, I don't want to get into here, but the stock market is really volatile, especially over the last like couple of years. And it still is. Um, yeah. There's some good things you can do. There's like, you can catch a good, uh, good trade or something, but, I don't know. I, 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 it's just not worth my time. 
and I'm not looking at it for that. I have some, like I said, I have some long-term stuff that I just, I just put in there and leave it. It's not mm-hmm. like I'm looking at that to generate some kind of massive wealth, right? No, no. So, so that that's all. Um, anyway, look, questions, comments, fussing, cussing, likes, dislikes, whatever. Go to the Facebook page. Let us let us know. And Give like us one of these. Like and subscribe our YouTube. Right. You can subscribe to our YouTube. Um, catch us on the podcast. Catch us on the podcast. Um, again, guys, we just love doing this because we really want to talk to people and let people know there's a different way of doing things. So For reals. There's two chairs. These are two mics. These are two guys. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you. See you.